Wonderful. Yeah, that was very short and sweet. Um, you know, when I consider the cross of Jesus, um, the one thing that the cross of Jesus does, Romans 5 says that the cross of Jesus is an exhibition or display of the love of God, that it shows us how God loves us. And sometimes if we wonder, God, do you love me? God, do you really love me? You know, because we don't, we don't often experience that. We don't know that God loves us. We don't feel that God loves us. And I know when I'm struggling with that, and I struggle with that, like, Lord, do you really love me? The one thing I do is I go back and I look at the cross, and I remind myself, what did Jesus do on my behalf? And I see that cross, and I say, but Jesus, but Father, you love me, because you sent your Son on the cross. And these are things that it's easy to have the head knowledge of, but we pray that the Lord makes these things alive to us, that it becomes the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. Um, and this morning, what I actually want to do is I want to share about the blessing of the Father. Um, it's Father's Day, but just something that I felt was appropriate and something I'd love to unpack with you. And I want to start with a story this morning um, about a Spanish father, uh, this father in Spain who his relationship with his son got very, very rocky. It was this broken, fractious relationship. They would argue a lot. The son was very rebellious against the father. And the father wasn't always the best father. He could have definitely have done a better job. And, and so between the two of them, they did not get on well. But the father loved his son and tried to reach out to his son. But eventually his son, at that age that he was, he was already 19, 20 years old, he had decided... I'm out of here. I want nothing to do with my family. I'm going to go and make my own way in life. And the son decided to run away from home. And for months on end, the father had no contact with his son. And his, the father loved the son desperately. He had a deep love for the son. And so what he decided to do, his son's name was Paco, Paco, a Spanish name. And he decided to put an advert in the paper looking for his son, because he was desperate. It was at six months had gone past, he had heard nothing, he was worried about his son. And he put this advert in the paper, in a Madrid newspaper. I don't know if this is a true story, it might be. He put this advert in a Madrid newspaper, which said, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. And at noon that Saturday, you know who showed up? 800 Pacos showed up in front of the newspaper office. 800 Pacos. This is how the story goes. All of them seeking the love and the approval and the reconciliation of their father. And if, we, if we're honest, you know, all of us, um, whether you, and I think we all have many different experiences of a father, don't we? Um, some of us have absent fathers or no fathers. Some of us have had fathers that are the best fathers you could have wished for. Others of us have had fathers where they've been difficult or abusive fathers, um, all across the spectrum. But we all long for the affirmation and for the love of a father, it's something that God has put inside of us. And you know, in one of the, 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 one of the most important words in the New Testament— Throughout the words of the New Testament, there's some very important words, but the one important word is that word father. That is not mentioned a lot in the Old Testament, but when Jesus comes along in the New, he mentions this word quite a lot, my father, my father. And it offended the Jews that, God, that Jesus would have such a close relationship with God that he'd call him Abba, 
Father. And so this word Father gets mentioned quite a bit in the New Testament. And in one section, Jesus says this about the Father in heaven. He says in Luke 11, What father among you, if, his, if the son asks for fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? And in, in, in the area that Jesus was speaking, um, the kind of fish that were around that, that swam in the, in the Sea of Galilee, you had these long fish, and they actually looked a little bit like snakes, apparently. But Jesus is saying, no, but if you ask for fish, the Father is not going to trick you and give you something that might, might look similar, but he's actually a serpent. He's going to give you a fish. And he says, or if you ask for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Um, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more won't your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And there's something here about the Father. You see, firstly, I want to say is that what Jesus does is he compares the best earthly father to God in heaven. And he says that even the best earthly father is evil compared to how good is, how good God is in heaven. That even if you've had an experience with a father who might have been so good, who provided for you, who loved you, that you experienced like the, the affirmation and the acceptance of your earthly dad, compared to how good God is, Jesus says, your father is evil compared to God. Um, in other words, that this God that we serve is so good, he's so beyond our imagination, our comprehension, that we can't imagine how good God is. Um, and how good our Father in heaven is. He's so pure, so holy. And, you know, what happens is we all tend to experience God, don't we, through the grid of our experience of our earthly Father. We all tend to, when I say the word to you, Father God, what do we think of? For most of us, we have a, we, an image of what our own Father was like. And we, 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 we kind of see God through that grid, through that experience. I know there's um, a story with... Um, uh, Floyd McClung, he, he wrote this book, The Father Heart of God, and in the book, he tells a story, some of you might know it well, and he was a missionary in uh, Holland for a while, and he was ministering on the streets of Holland, and he went to uh, a, a young man he saw on the streets that he had often seen, he had passed him, a young, um, a young man, 19, 20 years old, and the one day he felt prompted to stop and to witness to him and tell him about the Lord. And um, they, were, they were talking, and, and the guy was, said to Floyd, he said, well, what is God like? You know, you tell me about this God, you tell me about this Jesus, well, what is he like? And in the moment, uh, Floyd just thought, ah, he's like a father. And he said to him, God is like a father. And, and the look on this young man's face, he was in horror. He said, what? If God is like my father, I want nothing to do with him. And he walked off. You see, so when you mention, when we mention the word father, each of us have a very certain, it's a very personal thing because of our own experience. And as I mentioned, some of you have got relationships with your dads where it's like, it's glorious and wonderful. And you think, well, if God is like that, hallelujah, that's wonderful. But for some of you, if I mention the word father, it's like you haven't had a father. You haven't, you, or your father was someone who, who left you when you were small or who had, who had abandoned you, or, you know, and today we live in a fatherless generation where most people, um, up to, you know, a third to a half of most people do not live or have a relationship with their biological fathers, um, especially in low-income communities. It's a very, very scary thing. What is God like? And so if we go back to Scripture, I want to say that the Bible uses the language of father, 
Um, Jesus says again, your heavenly Father, when you pray to God, and if you, the Lord's Prayer, how does it start? The disciples say, but God, Jesus, teach us how to pray. We want to pray like you, know, like you pray. Teach us to pray. And he says, okay, I want to teach you to pray. This is what you say. Our Father that is in heaven, hallowed be your name, our Father. And so he, he says, you've got to call God Father. So the Bible does say this, but how do we get around the fact that, that ah, but my experience isn't like that of, of maybe what Scripture wants me to have? And this is where what we have to do is we've got to go back to what does the Bible say and allow the Bible to renew our thinking and our minds and to change the picture that we have of what God is like. And the first thing that I want to, is I'd like us to look at is this, the very first thing that God does in the Bible when Adam and Eve are created. Do you know what God does to them? Let's have a look in Genesis 1 verse 27. And I want to start there of what God does as a father. And I'm just going to weave in a couple of points. And then um, I want to land. So let me just ask you a question, Genesis 1, 27 to 28. And um, before I do that, I want to say that when people are born today in the world, is God their father? That's the first question. If you're born and you kind of, you live your life and, you know, and you, you just kind of, like an average person, is God your father? Is God the father of mankind? In some ways, yes, he is, because he obviously, we are made in his image, we're made in his likeness, that's Genesis 1.27, we're all made with a capacity, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Because it says here, God created man in his own image. So what does that mean? Does it mean that God has two eyes and a nose and a mouth, you know, that God has two arms and two legs and ten fingers and ten toes, is that what it means to be made in the image of God? No. That's not what it's referring to. It's saying because God is spirit. The Father is invisible. And the way we get to know the Father is through the Son who came into the earth. He's the expression of the Father's glory, the Bible says. And so we, we see that God is invisible. He, he's not like us at all. But what does it mean if we're made in the image of God? What do you think that means? It means that God, by nature, has certain attributes that we carry. God is creative. God is sacrificial. God is loving. God is wise. God has a mind. God thinks. God feels. And in, in many ways, when God created you, he created you with a capacity to have those things, to be like God. Um, but the thing is, is because we've sinned and we've broken God's laws, and the Bible says that we've been alienated from God, in one way, when you are born, because we're born as, as the seed of Adam, we're born in Adam and Eve's line, children of rebellion from God, who said, God, I will not serve you, I'm going to live for myself, and I'm going to do what's, what's right for me. And we're all born, in a sense, into that line. We're born into that seed. And because we're born into that way, the Bible says that God isn't our father anymore. That Ephesians 2 says we're born as children, not of, of grace or children of the Father. It says we're born of children, children of wrath, children of anger, children that actually are, are pushed away from the presence of God because of our, of our own sinfulness. God cannot accept us. And so in many ways, if you have to ask who is your father, who is my father? You know, Luke, I'm your father. You know that Star Wars movie? <laughs> okay, no, okay, bad joke. Who is your father? Your father is the devil, actually. That before you come to God, the only father that you have, if you're born into this world, the father that we have spiritually is the devil. We're in the kingdom of darkness. 
And I think that shocks a lot of people, friends, because there's a sense of like, but no, surely we're all children of God. We're born, no, if you read the Bible clearly, we are born as children of enmity, children of alienation, children under wrath, children of the devil. But how can God be our father then? And this is where Jesus comes onto the scene, isn't, doesn't he? And he comes saying, actually, if you want the father, if you want to know the father, Abba, if you want to know the one true God, he says, you've got to come through me. You've got to come through me. And if you want to be washed of your sins and accepted by God, you've got to come through Jesus. And that's why Jesus in John 14, I think verse 6 says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, but through Jesus. And so Jesus is this, is this picture of, of he's the doorway. If you want to come to the Father, if you want to be a child of God, we come through Jesus. But now, I think what happens is, you know, a lot of us can say, oh, yeah, well, we're Christians because, you know, because I go through the doorway of the church. It's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, you know. Um, I mean, I, you know, what do they say? If you, if you think you live, if you live in a barn, does that make you a farm animal, you know? <laughs> so obviously we've got to come through Jesus to love him and know him and lean on him and trust him and, and worship him. And Jesus has to be our Lord and our God. But what's interesting, it says we made in the image of God, but what God did is the very first thing that when man wasn't, he hadn't yet sinned, he hadn't messed up, what does God do over man and woman? Look at verse 28. What does God do? It says, and God blessed them. It says, God blessed them and he spoke this blessing over them, the very first thing that, that he does. And I want to say that the nature of the Father, the nature of God, is always to bring blessing. That's actually the nature of God. He wants to save and rescue and bring blessing. But how does God bring a blessing? How does the Father bring blessing in our lives? He always does it with words. And if you look here in verse 28, it says, And God blessed them, and it says, And God said... And you often find that in the Old Testament, that whenever these Old Testament patriarchs, you know, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, especially you find with Isaac and Jacob, they pray for their sons and they pray the blessing of God over them. Often when they die, they lay hands on them and they pray for them. And it says that when they blessed them, they spoke over them a blessing. They spoke over them. And there's something for us that when God in Jesus, when, when you come to Jesus and he accepts you, he speaks acceptance over you, in a sense, through the person of Jesus. And there's this wonderful scripture, and I'm going to kind of unpack it a little bit for us. In other words, there are power in our words. There's power in the way we speak that can bring blessings and curses, in a, in a real sense. And I love this in 1 John um, 3 verse 1. It says this, 1 John 3 1, at the end of the Bible, it says, How great the love the Father has lavished upon us that we can be called the children of God. What? He calls us. He says, because you put your trust in Jesus, I'm calling you child of God. He speaks it over us, and he speaks blessing over us. And you know, some people have asked me before, what is a curse? Okay, we know what a blessing is. A blessing is, in a sense, words that are spoken that are going to bless and build up and affirm and often speaking a future and a destiny. But what is a curse? A curse is also words, that whenever someone utters a curse, they're speaking words to break you down, and to break you down in terms of often it's something that's too, but God's words are always to build you up, always to build you up in Jesus, 
And, um, and I love this story. You know, there's a wonderful story about the way this is enacted out with one of the fathers in the Bible, the father um, Jacob, um, who later who became Israel. And look at Genesis 35. Can we just have a look at that quickly? Genesis 35. And in Genesis 35, <clears throat> Jacob is, in fact, if, you, I, if, if I have to say my favorite character in the Bible, you know, my, this man Jacob is probably my favorite character in the whole Bible. I love this man. You know why I love this man? is because the Bible is very honest about his failings. I mean, Jacob is a deceiver. He's someone who basically, he wasn't the firstborn, and he, he basically deceives and he lies. That's not why he's my favorite man in the Bible. <laughs> but, man, he deceives his way and he lies his way to kind of get what he wants. But he's a man that wanted the blessing of God. Above all else, man, he was desperate for God's blessing in his life. And so he even kind of deceives his own father, thinking that he's the firstborn, and his father prays for him and gives him the blessing of his brother Esau. And so there's a story. But what I love about Jacob is that God journeys with this man Jacob. He takes him on a journey. And eventually God has his way, and he actually changes his, his nature and God eventually changes his name. He says, your name's Jacob, but from now on, I'm going to change your name. You're going to be Israel. You're going to be someone who's a prince with God. And the first thing that God does is that God speaks over him. God says, I'm going to speak identity over you. You are that. You're not that anymore. I'm going to call you Israel. And he speaks identity over him. But what I love in the next section is in verse 18, 35 verse 18, there's a story of Jacob's wife, Rachel. And Rachel was this beautiful woman that we know the love story. Some of you know this incredible love story between Jacob and Rachel and how he waited for this, this, this Rachel for many years and he married her. And, but tragedy strikes where she dies giving birth to a young man um, later called Benjamin. But let's read it. It says in verse 18, Rachel, she's giving birth. Jacob's the father, and it says, As her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Ben-Oni. Ben-Oni. That's what she called him, which means, do you know what that means? Son of my suffering. And so she, she's crying out, she's dying, and she says, Okay, I need to call this baby. I'm going to call him Ben-Oni, the son of my suffering. But Jacob is there, and you know what happens is he, he gives, she gives birth, but the father doesn't call him Ben-Oni. The father changes his name. Jacob changes his name. He says, from now on, you're going to be called Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. You're no longer son of my suffering. You're son of my right hand. And you see what the father does? As a father, he speaks a blessing over his son. He says, son, you're not going to be uh, characterized by sorrow. You're going to be characterized by the son of my right hand. You're favored. And that's what the father does. There's something about the power of a father's words, friends. I know even in my own life when over my kids, often I've tried hard to do this over the years, where I try and speak words of affirmation over my children, just like God does to me. You know, I try and say to them, you know, like even from Michaela, my oldest, now is 20, from when she was a little girl, I tuck her in tonight, I tuck her in, um, in, in her bed, and she used to like that even until she was about 17, don't tell anyone. Don't tell her I said this. But I would tuck her in and she would like, you know, that kind of, she'd love, and I'd just kind of talk to her. We'd spend time together. And I always say to her, you know, Michaela, you can do whatever you want. You are so gifted and talented. Do you know that you can do whatever you want? Whatever you choose to do, I know that you're going to be a success. And I did that with each of my kids, Joel, Daniel, 
Daniel now is, is 13. If he was here, he'd, he wouldn't be happy. Okay, but he's not here. All right. And with Dan as well, I said, and Joel, I mean, Dan being younger, I was like, Dan, my boy, do you know how much I love you? I actually have to speak it over his life. My boy, I love you. I'm proud of you. Even if you mess up, and I have to say this to him, even if you disappoint me and you do something that I'm not pleased with, do you know that I'm still going to love you? I love you so much. And I kind of just stroke his hair and I, I wrestle with him. I kind of, you know, I kind of hug him and then, you know, he tries to hug me and we see who can hold each other and we wrestle, you know, we, like we do those stuff as dad and, and he experiences the affirmation of a father. And friends, this is what God does to us. The Bible says that when we are in Jesus, that he calls you certain things. You know that. That when you come to Jesus, he says to you, you're my beloved. You're loved by God. He says to you things like this. This is what the New Testament says. You are the friend of God. It says you are chosen by God. You know that God speaks that over you as a father that gives identity? He says this, that you're a member of the body of Christ. He says you're a minister of reconciliation. He says to you that if you trust and you lean on Jesus with your life and you believe in him, you're called a saint. Ha! A saint. What me? Saint Kenan, you know? Saint Devet, you know? Like, what? But no, but I sin, I mess up. But in God's eyes, when he looks at you, he sees the wonder of his son Jesus. And he says, no, 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 no. You're loved. You're beloved. You're a minister. You're a saint. You're set apart. You're holy. You're chosen. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. He says, you're a citizen of heaven, Philippians chapter 4 says. Um, you are righteous, he says. You are holy. And he calls you these things. This is how the Father ordains it. And so, in closing, on this Father's Day, friends, I want to remind you that we have a Father in heaven that is crazy about you. Do you really believe that? That you've got a Father in heaven that if you put your trust in the, in the, in the person of Jesus that came on a rescue mission to save you, that when he looks at you, he loves you, man. He's like, oh, that's my boy. That's my daughter. Woohoo! Yeah! You know, go. You go, boy. You go, girl. That's how God sees us. And I think at times, don't we? We have such a hard time believing it because we, we get the sense of, no, but I'm, you know, we, of our experience. And, our, and we have to, friends, go back to Scripture the whole time. I'm not led by what I feel. I'm led by, by what is true. And my feelings come into alignment with what is true, with the Word of God. And, um, and I loved us when we could, you know, praying for Joshua this morning. And um, oh, there he is at the back. And I just love that. It was just a picture of this morning, you know, of that little boy. He's loved. I know he's deeply loved. And, and he's a picture of us, you know, like the father holding you. You, you go, da, 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 da. you know, you feel like God knows you half the time you don't know what you're doing, you know. Like, you know, you just like... Yeah, we don't know what we're doing. We're not as clever and as wise as we think we are, at least according to God. Remember, even the best father on the earth, you who are evil, Jesus says, if you give good, good gifts to your children, how much more won't your heavenly father give you? And God is, is for us, friends. And I want to I end with that today to say, do you know that if, you, if, you're in Jesus, if, you, if Jesus is your cornerstone, oh, if God is for you, who can be against you? And so I'd like to pray for us as we close, just for us, just to fresh, receive the blessing of the Father. And I'd also like to pray that if you're here today and you have not put your trust in Jesus, and maybe you, you know, you've 
you've walked through the door of the church, so to speak, and you've walked through the door of trying to be a good person, but if you're honest, you haven't walked through Jesus. You haven't come and said, Jesus, I'm going to acknowledge you this morning to be my Lord and my God. I'm going to put my faith in you this morning because that is the way to the Father. And if you haven't done that this morning, or maybe you've drifted far from Christ, I want to urge you this morning, would you come back to the Lord? If that is you, is there anyone like that this morning? Why don't we close our eyes? I want to give an opportunity to you that, is there anyone like that this morning? Would you just quickly raise your hand? If that is you, just say, Mike, that's me. I want to come back to the Father. I know I've drifted far from Him, and it's like today I know that, I've, I know that I'm, not, I'm not where I should be. I know that God wants me to come close. Is there anyone like that? Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Okay, let's just pray for, for this lady. Let's just raise her hand next to Marie. Marie, could you just yeah, lay your hand on her? Lord, we want to thank you for this young lady that's responded this morning. Lord, Lord, that she's, I know she's responding to you this morning. And uh, Lord, we want to pray that, that, that you would come and that you would, even as she comes back to you, I'm not sure her walk with you, Lord, but that you know and that, Lord, as she comes to you this morning, that she would turn away from the path she was on, turn away from any old path that may have been walking her away from Jesus, and that this morning, Lord, she would turn towards you in faith and trust. She would turn away from her sins and put her trust in Jesus. And, Lord, we pray right now that you would pour the love of the Father over her, that she would experience the kindness and the grace of the Father in heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you come and soften her heart and give her a heart of, of flesh and take out a heart of stone? In Jesus' name we pray. Would you do a miracle in her, Lord? And we thank you for bringing you here this morning for such a time as this, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want to encourage you just to maybe to speak to Marie. You came with Marie? Just